Hello, and welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine, where we are unfolding the Victorian love story contained in the letters of two ordinary people from Yorkshire, Brad Shepherd and Janie Warburton. I'm Ingrid Butchell Hughes, and I just happen to be their great great granddaughter. Every week, we travel 140 years back in time to discover the latest happenings, and today, Janie and Fred are excitedly planning for when Fred comes home to Sheffield and they can see each other again. After last week's rather intense exchange about marriage roles, confirmation and Fred's expectations of Janie as a wife, The letters this time are full of excitement as they plan for Fred's upcoming visit to Sheffield after five long weeks apart. However, be prepared for Emma to throw a spanner in the works. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, February 5th, 1882, Sunday. My own darling Janie, I received your very welcome letter this morning as usual And remembering that you said in yours of last Monday that you were disappointed in not receiving one on that day, I thought I would write a short one to you today so as to prevent a recurrence of the disappointment tomorrow. I wish I could have been with you, my darling, really. Instead of only in a dream, nothing would give us greater happiness. I understand perfectly what you mean by being my good angel. I feel sure you will be. You have been my darling ever since I have known you. I think it is the duty of a wife to place before her husband a high standard of life, and that I believe you will do for me, my wife, my everything. Do not get downhearted, my darling, at the unpalatableness of your surroundings. Remember, there is a brighter day in store for both of us, love, when we are together. Besides, I want you to bear up, because we have both of us found before that what we have considered was hard and irksome has, after a time, found to be different. You know what I mean, love, don't you? I think this is something to be thankful for, in that we have such perfect love for one another. When we think of the so many loveless lives that are around us, my darling, our love seems to stand out as a bright star in a dark sky. You must excuse the imagery, but you are my bright star, to which I look for wedded happiness, my darling. You will do quite right, love, in remembering me to Annie Wortley. I have not seen Mr Glover for a fortnight. He promised to come down to our house, but has not been yet. I don't know why. I wish I was with you, love, that I could come over every week. We could manage a little better then, my darling, if I could spend Sunday with you. I remember, my darling, very vividly, our old happy nights. But you must remember, love, that my purpose here is to bring the old nights back again, every night, and then not to leave you as I had before, which was very hard then. I am sorry to hear that you were in trouble at night, in the same manner that I was, love, I have no doubt we shall be able to remedy that on Saturday and Sunday. I think it is not quite the same thing, love. I will try to explain the difference to you on our meeting. I am glad you mentioned it, my darling. I could not take it in a wrong manner, my love. We understand each other too well for that. I should think the length of my letter did astonish your John. I should imagine that his are not quite as long. I am glad that you are going to our house tomorrow, love. I wish I could be there to receive you. I hope my sister Lucy's husband will be decent if he is in. I had intended to go there with you myself, and I know that when Jane went, he said things to her that he ought not to do, which I should stop if I had been there. I am sorry to say I did not go to church this morning. I felt rather tired, 
and they did not bring my shaving water until twenty to ten. I shall go tonight, though, my darling. I wish you could go with me. Tom and I went to Mr. Cooper's last Monday night. He has a splendid house, much better than the one he had at Darnell. I thought that was rather shabby for one in his position, but this one is one that I should like. Mrs. Cooper was very hospitable. I am quite fond of her. We also played with Redcar yesterday. We had another invitation to tea to the goalkeepers. It is a beautiful house and furnished in quite an artistic manner. They all seemed hospitable and are a lot of very nice fellows. We won five goals to one. I did wish you had been there last night, my darling. It was a beautifully moonlit night and the sea looked splendid. I should have been happy, love, if I could have been there with you or, in fact, anywhere with you. I bought a song last week. The words are taken from the Family Herald. I'll give you a copy and the music is as nice as the words. As you see, it is a lady's song and I want you to learn it, love. I shall bring it next Saturday, love, and will give you a first lesson. Next Saturday. Six more days, love, and I shall be on my way to you. Six times twenty-four equals a hundred and forty-four hours, my darling, and then bliss. I shall count the hours until then. Oh, love, oh, how I love you. I wish I could kiss you. I am sure that I should be happy then. To be near thee is bliss indeed for me. I shall not be able to write any more this afternoon, love. It is five now, and the post closes at 5.35, and it is down by the exchange. See me fly down the street. Write early, my darling, and let me know what you think is the best way of spending my short time on Saturday and Sunday. I remain, my darling wife, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. February the 6th, 1882. My own darling Fred, I am at your sister's, you will see by the heading. I was so pleased to have a letter this morning. I was just starting for Sheffield when I received it. I went by the 10 minutes to 10 train. I found them all very well at Cemetery Road. Polly wants us to go there on Saturday night. I am sure I hardly know how to arrange, love. Louisa says we shall have to be at your house to tea on Sunday. I think I shall try to get Polly to excuse us going up there if I can, or I shall not have much time with you. I am rather selfish over you, and we will try to go at Easter. I went to see Annie Wortley yesterday. She is very well. They want me to go with them to see the pantomime on Thursday night. Are you agreeable, as I should not like to displease you, my darling? I wish you would by return, if only a line, and then I could let Annie know in time. The two Miss Mills, Tom and George Wortley, Annie and I, if you like. I thought if I did not write, you would be disappointed. I will write to you more tomorrow. I am writing this in your sister's room. Alfred is singing for us. He has a nice voice and can play very well. The children and I have been having a quadrille. We have quite enjoyed it. Only a few days and then I shall see you, love. Louisa says your mother and I will be all smiles next Saturday. We shall. Your mother has been poorly since I was there, but is much better today. I have not a chance to write more tonight. Good night. I wish I could kiss you, my darling. I remain your faithful and loving wife, Janie. So now that everyone has got a wind of Fred coming to visit, of course they want to see him. And Fred and Janie are obviously going to have the challenge in finding time just for themselves. 
my 21st century Western brain tripped over the business of Janie asking Fred for permission to go to the pantomime, underlining again the difference in freedom women had then, or lack of it, compared to now. I have to admit, I am finding all of this quite challenging. I am obviously very invested in Fred and Janie, and the dynamic of their relationship as husband and wife, as it was then, is really uncomfortable for me. Anyway, Fred responds in the negative in his next letter, but for reasons I wasn't expecting. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, February the 7th, 1882. My own darling Janie, I was very glad to receive your letter this morning, love. I have expected that you would reply before today. I am glad to hear that they are all well at Cemetery Road. I am quite in your hands as to going there on Saturday night and will let you arrange for me to suit your wishes. With respect to your wish to go to the pantomime, or rather, were at least request, but you do not say whether you want to go or not. I do not know exactly what to say. I should not like to think that I was debarring you from any pleasure, my darling, and yet I have a very vivid recollection of our last excursion in Tom Wortley's company. I think you will agree with me, love, that it was not of the most elevating kind. Besides, it will be so late when you get home, and perhaps with being out yesterday as well may prevent you as having much liberty on Saturday and Sunday as you could wish. On the whole, my darling, I think I should prefer that you did not go on this reason. Not that I object to you going to the pantomime, but the company I do, decidedly. Of course, if you consider it absolutely necessary for the preservation of your health, I should be the last to hinder you going. But if not, I do not quite see the necessity. I hope you will not think me selfish, my darling, in this, giving you my views, but I wish to do the best for your welfare and ultimately for mine. I love you too much to bear quietly a repetition of Whit Wednesday's fun. I think I'd better not say any more about the subject, leaving it now in your hands, my darling, to do the best thing under the circumstances. Four more days, my darling, and I am with you. Oh, how I love you. I feel sure I shall squeeze all the breath out of your sweet self. A thought just struck me that you had better make the arrangements for your stays to be loose, and please do not arrange so that we cannot have a good talk. We must get one of our old talks in, my darling. I think I have got a good arrangement and will give it to you tomorrow in replying to yours, which I shall anxiously await. I remain, my darling Janie, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. Excuse the reference to an unmentionable article of your attire, love, you know. Yes, you did hear that correctly. Fred has just asked Janie to make sure her corset was undone. And what on earth happened with Tom Wortley on Whit Wednesday? What did he do? I'm imagining him being a bit much in some sort of loud, perhaps bawdy fashion. Whatever it was, Fred was not at all happy. Hansworth, February the 7th, 1882. My own darling Fred. I got home about ten last night. John and Louisa came up as far as Buxton's with me. I enjoyed myself very much at your sister's. The children were all very good. Alfred was playing the violin and piano. He can play very nicely. Mr Lister was also very good. Louisa said he had got his best manners on. In fact, she never saw him in better humour. And the children so good before. He stopped in all night. Their piano is a very nice one. We shall have to find some kind of an instrument if I can't beg our piano, love. 
It is so nice to have some music. It seems to cheer you up. I will not get downhearted, love. I don't feel a bit this week now you were coming, my darling. I generally get a little that way when I feel I can't see you Saturday and Sundays. And as you say, love, there is brighter days in store for us when we shall be together forever. I must bear up and look forward to it. It is something to be thankful for that we have such perfect love for each other. You shall not look to your bright star in vain for wedded happiness, my darling, if it is in my power to make you happy. I do love you more and more. Only four more days and then I shall see you. I suppose you will come by the 2.18 train. I shall meet you at the station, under the clock, on the same side that you come in at. I have thought since last night we might go up to our Williams if only for an hour. I know Polly will be disappointed if we do not see her. Your train is supposed to be at Sheffield at 3.36. We should be at their house by six and we could come home by the eight o'clock train to Attercliffe. Will you say, love, if that will suit you? I expect you will have everywhere to go in the short time. You must get to see Jane this time or you'll be in the black books. I think I told you that I had to go to Sheffield yesterday morning. Mother sent me to buy Polly some damask for her bed. I bought such a nice tablecloth for our middle room, love. I will show it to you on Saturday to see if you like it. You spoke about bringing some money for me. I should like you to bring me one pound, as I want to get some curtains and other little things. You know, love, the sort of things that will not take up much room, and I think I could get them very cheap here. We will have a nicely furnished house in time. I don't doubt, but it will be as nice as Mr Cooper's someday, but we will get it by degrees. I saw the two pictures I should like yesterday in a shop at the corner of Surrey Street. They get all the pictures from the School of Art. One was the Man of Sorrows, the other Satan watching over Christ. If you remember, we saw it together one night at Norfolk Street. We will have all our pictures for our drawing room of the best, if it is possible. I do like to see a good one. We shall have a talk about pictures and everything, love, when you come. I am glad they are such hospitable people in Middlesbrough, love, as I shall have to live among them. I like the words of the song you sent me very much, and I shall be very happy to take my first lesson next Saturday and will learn it with pleasure for you, love. Our John had a letter from Carrie yesterday, and she says her aunt wants her to stop throughout the summer and help them in the pump room. I think if I was Carrie, I should stop. She has not heard from Australia yet. I shall have to write more next time. It is past time. I remain, my darling husband, your true and faithful wife, Janie. P.S. Only four days to our meeting, love. I looked up the pictures, presumably framed prints, that Janie mentioned. The first, The Man of Sorrows, is a common title used by artists over the ages for Christ in a crown of thorns. However, I think the depiction that Janie is referring to is by the artist Joseph Noel Payton, mainly going by the fact that the second picture, Satan Watching the Sleeping Christ, was uniquely painted by Payton, and it's obvious Janie is thinking about hanging these together. Payton was a Scottish artist who, while painting in the Pre-Raphaelite style, was notable for having turned down an invitation to join the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. The paintings were produced in 1875 and 1874, respectively. They both show the figure of Jesus in a red robe with a blue cloak. 
the man of sorrows shows him seated with a halo rather than a crown of thorns on a rock looking heavenwards sorrowfully, perhaps a moment from the Garden of Gethsemane. Satan watching the sleeping Christ shows Jesus asleep in the desert with Satan depicted as an angel with overblown beauty wearing a halo of flames sat on a rock creepily staring at Jesus in puzzlement. It's a really unexpected image. Even today, it's arresting and a little bit weird. I'm fascinated that these are the pictures Janie has set her heart on. Prints by the Pre-Raphaelites and their contemporaries was the height of modernity at that time. The choice of image is perhaps unusual for a working class couple who might be expected to choose something more sentimental, like John Everett Millet's Child Blowing Bubbles, or perhaps a picturesque landscape. Given Janie's diligence in working towards confirmation, I'm wondering if she felt genuinely moved by these images and that they were speaking to her on some spiritual level. I'll find the pictures to post up on Instagram and the Kofi page so that you can see what you think. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, February 8th, 1882. My own darling Janie, I am glad you enjoyed yourself, love, at our Lucy's on Monday night. I am pleased to hear that my respected brother-in-law was on his best behaviour and that the children were good. To my mind, they always seem the most unruly children I have ever seen. We shall have to have some kind of musical instrument. What do you think to a tin whistle? I shall come by the 218 train if possible, my darling, and this is never more than ten minutes late. I do not suppose I shall be able to get any dinner before coming, as having to go down to the works to pay the wages makes it two o'clock before I get back. However, I shall manage it somehow. But don't get anxious if I don't turn up. Shall come by the next, which leaves here at four, arriving at Sheffield at 7.40. You say you'll be under the clock at the side the train comes in. This is across the line, love. I shall be pleased to go up to your Williams, love. In fact, that was the arrangement I had thought of. Then home, which I had hinted you to stop on Saturday night, and until dinner on Sunday, and then we could go up to your house for tea and spend the evening there. If I get up to your house on the Saturday night, I shall not want to come home that night, and if I stay, it means all next day, which would prevent me from having much time at home, unless you came down with me to our house, and then there would be going the up and down on the Sunday night. Will you give this matter your consideration and tell me in your next love what you think is best? I shall expect a few lines on Friday morning, my darling, and then I can write for Saturday. I shall be glad to bring you the money you spoke of, love, and more if you want it. Your two favourite pictures, love, are also mine, but we shall not be able to get them at first, as they are rather expensive. I expected I should be able to give you more in this, love, but I find I cannot do more at present, and remain, my darling Janie, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. And in the middle of all the joy and excitement of arranging their reunion, Janie is confronted with reality in the shape of Emma's behaviour once again. Hansworth, February the 9th. My own darling Fred, I should like you to get off by the 2.18 possible, as we should not have much time at our Williams if you don't love do you think it would upset you if you were to take something to eat to the works? And then I would have a meat tea for you at our Williams. 
I think your arrangement would be the best that I should stay at your house on Saturday night. I have not said anything to Mother about it yet, but I don't think she will object. Our John will wait for me at dinner time on Sunday. Mother sent me down to Mrs. Fleer's yesterday to take a waste of hers to be altered, and I had to go to Sheffield as well. I started about three and came back by the 7.20 train to Darnell. I did not call at your house. I wanted to get home early, and it was a lucky thing I did. For when I got there, our Emma was laid on the best room floor, dead drunk. There had been a traveller dining at our house, and she had to go into the bar to lay the cloth, and it appears that she drank two glasses of brandy while Kate was in the bar, and then she took a porter bottle full upstairs. We found out, while she was in that drunken state, Mother searched her boxes. My father was crying like a child. She is killing him by inches. She hasn't dared show her face downstairs today. They don't know what to do with her. She does not care about anybody talking to her, nor about a good thrashing. She does not care about anything but getting that. I don't know whatever will become of her. I shall be pleased to see you on Saturday. I am longing for the time to come, my darling. I have not time for more. I remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. I remember when I first read this letter, I actually cried. I was so caught up in Janie and Fred's excitement about seeing each other again after all this time and making all the arrangements. Can you imagine walking through the door into that? Your sister so gone and your father sobbing. I think it was Janie's description of her father's distress that brought it home to me. This tragedy played out. If this was happening today, it would be profoundly upsetting we might have a chance to find Emma support and resources to help her. But back then, what was there? Janie sounds so shaken. I can hear a despair creeping into her letters for both her sister's prospects and her father's health. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. Next time, Fred and Janie swap valentines. Janie is in full swing buying things for their future home and Kate, the servant at the Cross Keys, is suddenly taken ill. In the meantime, I'd be grateful if you could show the podcast some support by clicking on the ratings, leaving a review or maybe sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it. And if you'd like to write to me, you can at myloveletter time machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care. <laughs>